Welcome to Funcast, the Bay City Beacons local politics podcast. Hey yo! It's been a while. It's been a minute. Uh, but I'm back. Jay and I just decided to get together. Yeah. Uh, and chat about some stuff that our readers have been asking us. When are we going to talk about? That's this? right. We actually uh, just got together for drinks, but but just Jay decided to turn on a mic. And, oh yeah. Uh, and it's bubbly water. I, yeah. Um, so pardon the burps if there are any. We're uh, heavily, <laughs> heavily carbonated. Yeah. Um, so a couple issues that um, folks have been asking us to weigh in on are... Um, is that like where our podcast is now? Like we take listener requests. People are like, oh, I would love to get the Beacon take on this. I mean... Are we that hot? Isn't that how it's always worked? Really? Wow. Like we probably shouldn't be saying that out loud. We're so popular. The cat's out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the best way to, to get me to address an issue is to bully me online about it. Um, <laughs> You're extremely Twitter-sensitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can ignore you, yeah. or I can, um, you know, swallow in my feelings and eventually do something about it. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Folks wanted to hear about San Francisco closing its uh, juvenile detention center. Yeah. And about um, the state legislature efforts for just cause and uh, anti-gouging rent cap. Um, so quick recap, um, San Francisco's Board of Supervisors voted 10 to 1 to close its juvenile detention center. Right. Um, and and um, that one dissenting vote was? Was uh, Supervisor Catherine Stephanie. Was Supervisor Catherine of, Stephanie. Um, who represents the Marina and Pack Heights, a district deeply concerned about criminal justice reform. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. The reason I bring it up is because we don't, you honestly don't see a lot of 10 to 1 votes. That's anymore true. from this board except for when they voted for the president the, the board oh, president. oh yeah, 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 yeah yeah exactly and that one it seems just as significant right yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. when you have a 10 to 1 vote and you're like wow Hillary Rowan is really out there on the limb I mean you don't see a lot of 10 to 1 votes from this board so I think it's significant that Supervisor Stephanie came out and said right yeah, you know dissented from the group opinion right, right right and we'll get to why in a minute um, um, Assemblymember Rob Bonta of Alameda introduced um, a uh, just cause eviction protection law, essentially to have, um, you know, uh, in a few cities in California, including San Francisco, landlords have to give a reason for eviction, a just cause. Yeah. Um, in many cities, they do not. Um, so this would have extended that protection um, throughout the um, throughout the state. Um, but uh, the landlord and real estate lobby uh, complained that it would make it hard to evict gang members and criminals and use a lot of dog whistle language and frankly in their um, defense of being able to evict for any reason whatsoever. Um, so that bill got shelved and um, a companion bill by San Francisco's assembly member David Chu um, was um, initially an effort to peg rent increases at um, 5% Five, plus, plus CPI. Um, and that barely squeaked by. Um, but as 7% right, plus CPI. Right, um, But folks are saying um, that uh, <laughs> without just cause uh, being passed with it, it, you know, if you if the landlord wants to raise rents higher than that, they could just evict, theoretically. If you're in, like, Stanislaus County or, or somewhere that that does not have these widespread that, protections. That's interesting. I mean, it does open the door. Are we getting? Are we going into this? No, that's, this is just your summary, right? Yeah, it is my summary. Yeah, right, 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 but right, let's right, dive right. into well, it. Should we it's, dive into it? Are we yeah, doing? Yeah. Are we doing state ledge first? Yeah, we're yeah. doing state let's ledge first, and then dive into. I mean, that's it. interesting, right? I mean, you local counties have always been able to pass 
eviction controls. That's right. You know, and, and they, other than the LS Act, right, mm-hmm. they actually have pretty broad authority on mm-hmm. the eviction control level, right. right? It's not like rent control where Costa Hawkins actually sets a pretty hard line in the right. sand about where rent control can and cannot be, right? Eviction right. control is kind of this vaguer, right. right? So local counties have had the option to do this. Um, so it's very possible, let's talk about Stanislaw County, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, AB 1488, 1481 was just caused. Right, 1482. So Chu's bill moves forward. Let's Uh say it passes and gets signed. Uh And, you know, local counties can kind of take a step back and say, oh, well, the loophole is around eviction control and Uh then fill in that loophole, right? Uh Which would not be the case if it was the reverse. If AB 1481 moved forward, Rabanta's bill moved forward, well, then you still don't have rent control. That's right. So, you know, you could still, you could still, you know, you could evict by rent control. And and local counties would have very little to do about that, right? That's right. A little about, a little, very little to say about that. So there's two things this brings up. One is, as you say, you know, there is this, these great statewide efforts to pass these, but there's nothing preventing them from happening at the local or countywide level. Right. Um, And in fact, one of the main criticisms of Prop 10 organizing by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation was that, you know, they poured boatloads of cash into a a ballot measure that was doomed to fail when um, there were multiple uh, local ballot initiatives to pass rent control in Los Angeles County that did not pass, that could have passed if AIDS Healthcare had put some of that firepower behind local efforts. Or even in the peninsula, right? Right. Um, Yeah, which city was it in in San Mateo? I forget. It must have been like... Mountain View or yeah, something like that. So I could Mountain be wrong. Mountain View has had a, uh, well, that's in Santa Clara County. Yeah. Mountain View has had um, uphill battle with rent control. Um, San Mateo, I, I mean, the list goes on, right? Um, so, you know, to the extent that we have a statewide tenant organizing caucus or whatever you want to call it, like, you know, that if they lose at the state, they can still, they could still do some, some legwork from the ground up. Um, so the, the door is not closed on that forever. I, I'm trying to say, yeah, I, I would say from a tenant perspective, maybe, and tenant organizers may disagree with me. I'm sure this is kind of like a gray statement or like gray zone, right? Right. But uh, if you had to choose one to get through the state legislative process, mm-hmm. AB 1482, the CHU bill, is mm-hmm. the one you want to get through the state legislative process because mm-hmm. it's a more structural change, frankly, right? right? It essentially has created a rent control. If it passes, it That's creates right. a rent control scheme statewide. That's, right. That's significant. That's right. That's a significant change right? Um, to landlord-tenant law. Yeah. Um, Randy Shaw, noted you know, tenant lawyer, uh, pointed out that um, you know this is more symbolic than actually effective. Um, I mean, it's you know, a 9% rent cap is, is not really going to help that many people who, like, you know, if you if you can afford a 9% rent increase, you can probably afford market rate wherever you are. Um, you know, it, it'll help, I'm sure, if there's, like, uh, immigrants overcrowding housing, for example, and, and then they can pull yeah. all their wages together yeah. or what, what have you. Um, but, the, you know, this is significantly weaker than the just cause and rent stabilization yeah. package that the Oregon legislature was able to pass. Well, and Oregon is a state where, you know, it's not like there's liberal enclaves in multiple metropolitan areas. Yeah. Oregon has Portland and then the woods. I, let me just like, I, so I, I, I respectfully, I'm going to disagree with Randy on this, mm-hmm. right? And of course, and we I'm all not respect. Randy yeah, 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 yeah. We just, all respect you know, Randy's opinion. No, I mean, I think that was a fair description of what Randy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I, Mr. I Shaw has I said. Speak for right. Randy. We words. don't speak for Randy, right? But I want to disagree with that opinion in the sense that first of all, this I, I think 
the word symbolic is not perhaps the right word, right? It's structural. This was a structural change. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe you won't see a lot of pragmatic difference on the ground. Sure. But structurally, you have created a rent control scheme yes. across the state of California. Yes. Right. That's huge. Yes. That's way and and just like how Oregon created a rent control scheme for the state of Oregon, but frankly, it's just Portland and some woods. Portland, yeah. Eugene, and Asheville and some woods. Right. right? <clears throat> You're talking about several major right. metropolitan cities that now have a rent control scheme. Right. Several major apartment right. buildings and large landlords that now have a right. rent control scheme passed upon them. Right? right. And there's a reason that the bill only passed with two votes in the state right. assembly. Because you know, frankly, the state legislature wasn't really there. Right. With the state legislature, the votes weren't really there. And yes. I think it says something about David Chu's ability as a lawmaker yes. to squeak this thing yes. through, where frankly, like, his he's, votes weren't there yeah. in the beginning. He's had quite a record of, you know, barely squeaking things by that, like, you know, had some big support from the governor that otherwise, like, his, his own party was not really on board with. I mean, you look at AB 2923. That was something where Governor Jerry Brown was like, great, you know, more housing at BART stations, like, let's get this passed. And then, you know, he had to squeak it by Steve Glazer. Right. Um, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, too, a lot of folks have pointed to his really lackluster leadership on the housing issue. He campaigned on housing. Right. He said, we got to build three and a half million homes. Right. He said he would support rent control and right. just cause. And then this all falls apart and, and he's kind of out to lunch. Yeah, um, and I think that's that, interesting. There was that minor kind yeah. of kerfuffle about where, um, who called who. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. get so support Anna across. Leary, when um, when Richard Bloom's Casa Hawkins reform bill got shelved, um, and just cause barely made it through committee, it wasn't dead yet. Um, yeah, Anna Leary, his chief of staff, said at a press conference, you know, oh, the governor called the, the committee members and asked them to support all those bills, and the committee members were like, what? No, he didn't. <laughs> um, Right, because you wouldn't forget a call from Gavin Newsom. Right, you're not going to forget a call from Gavin Newsom. Right, but yeah. apparently the, the no one remembers them either. <laughs> yeah, highly forgettable, highly forgettable <laughs> lobbying. Um, um, but yeah, so I mean, the other thing that this points to. Well, before we, move on, I just want to say. So my point yeah. here is that, like, when someone comes to a bill here, like yeah. AB fourteen eighty two, yeah. fourteen eighty two, and says this bill doesn't go far enough. Yeah. To say that when you know that this bill only squeaked by with two votes is a crazy statement to make, okay. right? Like you can't say this bill didn't go far enough. If it went any farther, you would have lost the bill, Yeah. right? So uh, there's a little bit of a practical, like a political reality yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that needs to be had here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, you're crazy, Jay said. Oh, wow, wow. This is going to come down on me. <laughs> also, I mean, I think, so I'll say this other thing. The, you know, Chu got the California Association of Realtors to go neutral on a essentially a rent control bill, yeah. which you know has caused a deep divide between see the realtors and the apartment association. Apartment association is very, very, very opposed to AP AB fourteen eighty two. Yes, right. The realtors are now neutral. Yes. right. Getting the realtors to go neutral on a bill around this topic is, uh, I mean, that's a real piece of. I mean, that's a political master play. Yeah, that's a political master pl class. Yeah. Right, and so again, it's kind of I I I want there's there's needs to be some kind of recognition yeah. on how well, difficult this was. Well, let's talk about that. So one of the major things that was being talked about before this bill was brought up for a vote was oh they're waiting for the realtors to agree to a deal. It wasn't agreeing. It wasn't. They weren't talking about queuing up the votes for the bill. They weren't talking about making a deal among the assembly members. They were talking as though the realtors 
were legislating. Well, le- realtors, like, realtors had a lock on votes. Well, and that's exactly my point. I mean, so we have a Democratic supermajority, right? There's no Republicans that can, like, right, sure, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, yeah, proof thing. yeah. And we're dealing with, you know, not what do what what do people suffering from the housing crisis but want? But that the question is, what do realtors want? But that's 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 like, first of all, sure, yes. But like that, to call it a Democratic supermajority is true. But also a little bit of a barrier bubble, right? Like yes. Steve Glazer is a Democrat. That's right. Right? Barely. I mean, no, but he's a Democrat, yeah, right? Yeah, he's yeah. part of the vote count, right? Right, right. right. And so Evan Lowe's a Democrat, right? right like right, you, right. you have, full, although he's actually a very good Democrat, I should I take that back, right? Adam Gray's a Democrat. I mean, you have folks in, uh, in the Central Valley who are Democrats right. who are Democrats in red districts, right? So just saying it's a Democratic or not purple districts, right? Mm-hmm. To say you have a Democratic supermajority. Right. It's a little bit of a, and this doesn't mean that the California Associated Realtors have no power. Right, right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And, the, and the realtors, the California Associated Realtors have been smart in this. I mean, they've played on Democrat, Democrat races. Uh-huh. They're smart and they've played there and they've picked their, they've picked their people and they've made a lot of progress. I mean, without. Yeah, you almost said progress. And you're like, oh, wait a yeah. minute. Well, no, progress. I mean, like without the CAR votes, you would have never gotten an S, um, SB 35. That's true. Right? The CAR votes were there for SB 35, where the votes would never have been there in the first place. For Scott Wiener's um, affordable housing For affordable housing streamlining bill, right? So, like, it's also been a force for pro-housing development on the the other side, right? Mm -hmm. So, they yeah, they have votes. Mm -hmm. Special interest groups have votes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but you see my issue with that, right? It's like, it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't vote for the realtors. Um, Who voted for them? You know what I mean, but it, well, it, yeah, you didn't vote. You live in Berkeley. I mean, like, of course, you didn't vote for the real, but like no, other but folks, nobody did. Nobody you did. Know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, people who buy their home vote for them. So, what we really get down to is like folks who know, are realtors voted for them, right? Right. Yeah. And so, like, is the power really like okay within the Democratic but, but, Party? Or okay. Is it with, but let like, me take it from a different example, right? Do people vote for the California Labor Federation? No, but the California right. Labor that's Federation right. controls right, right, right. votes, right? Do people vote for the Sierra Club? No, but the Sierra Club I, controls. Well, no, people <laughs> don't vote for the Sierra Club. They join the Sierra Club. And just they like, vote for their board, and they vote for the, the board. Yeah, yeah. But just you could say that about realtors too. People choose to become realtors, and they choose to vote for the realtors board, and then yeah, right, yeah. Exactly, et cetera, right? Like a bunch of groups, SEIU. Do people vote for SEIU? No, they no they don't. But SEIU has control on votes, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. just the idea that. Um, that you are negotiating with a special interest lobby group is wrong. I contest that. I challenge mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Right? Because when we grow, when when Democrats are negotiating with a with a labor union, mm-hmm. I think you would consider that a fair thing, like a good mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same concept, though. I didn't mm-hmm. vote for the labor union. You didn't vote for the labor union. Mm-hmm. You know? well, I mean, well, I think it's not so much that they have power, but it's the outsized power over that it's like life or death. Labor unions have bills. the exact same amount of power in a Democratic supermajority. As the realtors? As the real. Oh my God. So I would argue even more. I would argue in this Democratic supermajority, in a left lean, like in the direction where the Democratic Party is going, with Gavin Newsom as governor, they have way more power. Well, you know, whichever interest groups have Anthony Portantino's ear. I don't. Uh, yeah, I really don't know what the I don't know what the fuck is that. That's about. <laughs> you know, we had SB fifty where the realtors, the apartment association, the chamber of commerce, and the labor federation were all together. It really makes you wonder, right? Yeah. Like, who is the 
Who is that? Who's who? Who? What labor group? What? What interest group? What interest group was on the other side of SB fifty? Homeowners. Like, a, like a, but like an organized, but like you had the realtors. Right. So going to the homeowner discussion, you had the realtors with SB fifty. That's favor home, SB home sellers. Home sellers. So there's a difference. So we're talking about yeah. So we're talking about you know entrenched. But there's no. But there's no. But there's no organizing. Profit. This is what drives me crazy. There's no organizing group. Right. There was no like California Association of Homeowners. Right. Well, there was Livable California, the NIMBY group that met with Bob Hertzberg. Yeah, but who orchestrated this? Right. The killing of SB fifty right. with Portentino. Right. But it's crazy that like we got we got SB fifty got killed by an amorphous yeah. group of a voting electorate. Yeah. There's not like an executive yeah. director. There's not like a spokesperson. Yeah. Just, it like, sounds an amorphous like we thing. agree at the very least to be frustrated about how unpredictable the power of interest groups can be. Either they have a whole ton of power and they can kill bills or pass bills, or sometimes like they can come together and they, their bills still get killed. Yeah, uh, maybe this is like totally my background, right? I'm more frustrated when things happen when an interest group is not involved. <laughs> like, sure. interest group is not involved, how did the bill get killed? Right, right. <laughs> you got beat by essentially a cloud, like nobody, <laughs> right? The, well, like, Michael like, Weinstein. Right, but. right. But no, CAR and CAA and... And and CalFed and yeah. and all those people got beat by essentially a, a vague cloud of, of homeowners. Of, yeah. Right? What the fuck? Right. You know? Well, I mean, you know, we have Prop 13 essentially subsidizing home equity for totally unproductive rent extraction. Um, is this like Georgian? This is like yeah, your Georgian yeah, side. Yeah, we yeah. are actually. I just uh, want to clarify. We're planning a, a a Georgia's dinner at a Georgian restaurant in Palo Alto. So what's a Georgian restaurant? Like food from the Republic of Georgia. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's yeah. really like I commend. I commend your dedication to your brand. Yes. Right. I commend you for being that on brand. It wasn't even my idea. Shout out to Kelsey of Palo Alto UMB for oh, extending the I invitation. Can't, I can't even believe that's like overwhelming. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. So yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be an uphill battle to to kind of rebalance to 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 shift the balance of power from um, homeowners to home needers, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, totally. And, yeah, you know, from to, to to from from home wealth to housing security, I think is really the balance we're looking at. Like, how how do we um, rebalance interest from people who who own and have a constitutionally protected property right, yeah. and to people who you know have a, a less constitutionally protected human rights to shelter. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting way to frame it, right? Because yeah. that's like, it, so usually I think this debate is usually framed as renter versus homeowner. Yeah. Right. You could argue, well, the way you're framing it, right, which is home wealth versus home insecure, mm-hmm. right, is kind of like actually a more global, like a broader yeah. way to think about yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. the whole Absolutely. world, right? Because if you are like an aspiring homeowner, or like you live with your parents and you want to like move mm-hmm. out or something about, mm-hmm. like, you're like. Technically, you're in that zone. You probably don't identify as a renter, right? Mm-hmm. You're not out here for tenants' rights, mm-hmm. but you are here for housing supply, mm-hmm. right? And it kind of like I just it, it reframes the debate in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just to just to close this off and give a sneak preview of some content we have coming up, um, you know, as presidential candidates are starting to talk about housing for pretty much the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the central paradoxes of housing in the United States that they're going to have to grapple with is like. 
it's really hard to make housing affordable when it's designed by policy to be the main way the middle class can build wealth and can build life that's right, savings. That's right, that's right. 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 Something cannot make you rich and be broadly affordable. Like, that's it's right. It's very difficult to... to that's actually a fascinating point. Yeah. That's a fascinating... Is that a Georgian line? No. No, that's just like it's logic. Just, it's... Yeah, that's it's logic. been around. I mean, no, that's good. No, that's good. I, I have a quick, like, 10-second question for you. Do you yeah. believe that... So I want to just make an assertion, right, mm-hmm. that Elizabeth Warren is climbing as a presidential candidate, like, you know, mm-hmm. like climbing in viability as a presidential mm-hmm. candidate. Do you think that's due to the fact that she had a housing platform, like a more no. articulated housing platform? I think, well, it's a small, it's a tiny part of it, but yeah. I think it's, you know, I went to her rally. I heard her speak yeah. in Portland. yeah. My suspicion is that it's it's because she has a, a coherent message that really resonates with people. It's essentially about robber barons in general, right? Yeah. I mean, she mentioned on on and when she was interviewed by Vox, she mentioned Thomas Piketty's um, Capital in the 21st Century yeah. as an influential book for her. So she's really looking at, you know, rent extraction right. um, and like big capital stealing from labor. Yeah. One of the ways that it happens is through housing. Um, she didn't even mention it in Oakland, which I thought was surprising. Well, she didn't mention it in Oakland. No. Okay, that's she did not mention housing in Oakland, which is very interesting. She mentioned breaking up big tech. She didn't so, mention housing at the, CD, the California Democratic Party convention right, either. Right. But um, she, yeah, she mentioned up breaking, up, breaking up big tech and kind of hinted at, you know, like, oh, I, I hear you guys might care about that here in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so really, I think it's it's because we're essentially in a second gilded age and her anti-monopoly, anti-robber baron message resonates. That, I think, is why she's rising in the polls. And I think housing is tangential to that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we move on to, to uh, criminal justice. Yeah. Um, not as big of an issue um, in the presidential race. Um, I think Kamala Harris wishes it was a bigger issue. She does. Issue. I think A. Smith wishes. Yeah, A. Smith <laughs> really wishes that. I think there was a play made there early on, Kamala Harris for the people, et cetera, yeah. et, cetera et cetera, et cetera. And I don't, I, I think I'm a little confused about why it didn't play out. Yeah. I'm honestly a little confused was, about yeah. why, like that, you know, like, I don't know, like, police brutality, all of that stuff, right? She, hasn't she was carried expected away. to be a front runner before she declared and then she just went nowhere. Like Well, what? yeah, I mean it's a lot and it's a long primary, right? So right. like I'm not saying that she's back. She totally could come back, right? I just feel like there was a bet made on criminal yeah. justice early on and that didn't play out. Similarly yeah. how like Elizabeth Warren made an economic bet early right. on and that's I mean, she was a that's prosecutor. Wave. She wasn't a public defender, right? So she has a, a bigger hill to climb in terms of arguing that yeah but if you read her book i mean her track record on the criminal justice reform is like pretty you know as even as a prosecutor she was like the criminal justice reform prosecutor yeah yeah yeah. that's her brand but you can't go out to voters and say oh you got to read her book though yeah yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) i mean i think she would argue that that's her line but yeah. yeah 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 um but you know, I have read um, some blog posts from some San Francisco DA candidates on the closing of uh, Juvenile Justice Hall. Yeah. Um, and it's surprising how controversial this has been because you think, yeah, um, you know, seventy percent of San Francisco's juvenile detention center is empty. Yeah. And it, and the costs have soared. It costs, you know, it, the cost of holding a juvenile in detention in San Francisco is basically in the six figures per year. Um, well, that's because well, hold on, let's let's dive into this a yeah, little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. So people say this, right, right, and I think it's important 
just to break that down a little bit. Sure. The number of people in that hall has gone down. Right. The denominator has struck. Right. The overhead of a hall of that hall has because it's a yeah because it's a physical building has yes. stayed the same. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so like. It's the the budget number of that hall has stayed the same. Yep. The number of people in that hall has gone down. Yep. Thus, the ratio has increased. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I just want to break that yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. You can take that however you want, but I just want to be clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like, it's not they're, like we're, yeah, they're not ahead. spending any less on it, but it is a less... Um, Occupied less space, use, sure. Yeah as, a, yeah, as a criminal justice institution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alameda County's um, juvenile hall went from, from 300... Um, inmates to 60 in yeah. the past few years. I mean, yeah. it's it's really yeah. a regional, statewide, if not national, trend of... Well, I don't know if it's national. I mean, one of the reasons it's gone down is because we've done mm-hmm. criminal justice reform work. Right. Right? And so, like, we've we've figured out that other programs are more effective right. it's, in this. It's not, well, I should say, it's national in probably in blue states where there's as much of an appetite for criminal justice reform as California. Right, 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 right. Um, That's my point being, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so in places that that look at you know not trying as many children as adults, for example, and and looking at, at alternatives like youth rehab, uh, group homes, therapy, um, uh, job training programs, places that really look at jail as an option of last resort, are seeing these trends bear out. Um, unfortunately, in the '90s and early 2000s. Um, uh, counties made a big infrastructure investment in these buildings um, when there was a lot more demand and uh, you know a lot of these places were being overcrowded or uh, San Francisco I mean, yeah these... San Francisco's building was overcrowded and expanded what in 2006 That's right not that long ago right and if you if you if people are in the Twin Peaks area right mm-hmm. and this is the this is the build this is the Dan White building right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Jesus Right? The, the, this thought. is the build. No, this is the building, right? That was the fight. It was in the movie and all yeah, of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a huge building. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a huge building. Yes. Like just heating the building. Yes. Just, just a massive fucking yes. building, I right? Mean, Ron Newt tells me stories about when he was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a large building, so like the structural overhead. This is not defense. I'm just saying the structural overhead costs are high. Yeah. Um, so this, and so the move to close it came after a San Francisco Chronicle investigation that showed, you know, just that the overhead had stayed roughly the same, if not gone up, while the, the you know, the per capita um, basis of that went down. Um, so Supervisor Shimon Walton, Matt Haney, and Hillary Ronan really led the charge to close it. Um, they received some pushback from, you know, from Mayor London Breed's office and from uh, the Reverend Dr. Amos Brown of the NAACP, um, essentially charging that they didn't have a plan for what to do. Well, they don't have a closed. they don't have a plan for what right. To, that, I mean, it's not they're not charging. I, I, that's a fact. Right. Well, no one has a plan. Um, but but, and but London Breed has her blue ribbon task force right. to figure out a plan. Right. And but London Breed is saying he also wants to right. be in some kind of. Task but the force. mayor didn't want to shut down the juvenile justice hall. Right. Without a plan. Without a plan. Shimon Walton and, you know, these supervisors wanted to shut down the juvenile justice hall knowing they had no plan. Right. <laughs> so essentially they're, they're giving themselves two, two years, years. To, to figure out a plan, but with the outcome of that plan, with part of the, that plan pretty much already decides. Like, you have to figure out what to do when this closes, not if. Right. And, you, and, and housing, this is the other issue, housing those juveniles 
in a in a detention center or a hall is no longer a via is no longer an option. Right. Right. So you can't You're just taking an you can't, off the table. Right. You, before you even come yeah, to you the can't table. build a smaller building and just be like, all right, but well, this is the solution, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you build a smaller building, your cost per inmate or person would come down. Right. 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 But that that clearly ideologically or philosophically would be useless, right? Because then what the fuck right, do we right, go right. through all of this for? You right. should take the Forest Hill Church where Norman Yee blocked the homeless shelter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. It wouldn't even be that far in right, terms of distance. Right, it's right yeah, there yeah, on Laguna yeah, Honda. Yeah, yeah. But it really um, wouldn't mean any right, difference, right? right. right? Yeah. So um, I want to uh, read a couple of statements from uh, candidates for district attorney of San Francisco who have fallen on, on at different points on this issue. Um, Nancy Tung called me to tell me she was supposed to this. Um, uh, you know, not out of the blue. We even arranged it. I, that, that came out weird. Um, and she, yeah. she basically... She, like, she, there was a prompt. Yeah, yeah. She called yeah. back. <laughs> she, all right? She didn't just, like, drunk you, dial. Yeah, <laughs> you make it sound like... Yeah. Um, Diego, I want to tell you what I think about this. <laughs> like, no, come I on. mean, you got, the listeners should do that. If you have my number, just call me and tell me your thoughts. Sometimes. They do that on Twitter. That's why we're That's talking true. about this issue. That's true. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Here's her statement in full. I think it's really problematic to simply close juvenile hall. You can't house juveniles with adults, so you need to have a place where they can be housed in a secure facility because that's what public safety requires. And that's in cases, specific cases where you can't do group home or house with a family or, you yeah, know, yeah, there, yeah. there are some cases where juvenile detention is the only option. So you need to figure out what the least restrictive type of location for them is. Sometimes the least restrictive placement is in a locked facility, and that's an unfortunate circumstance. In those situations where a minor has to be in a locked facility, if you say you should shut down juvenile hall completely, then you're forcing the sheriff's office to send those kids out of the county. My concern with that is that if you're further separating the juveniles from the family and their communities, it is taking them out of the environment that is most supportive to them. On the guardian side, you're forcing them to travel whatever distance in Bay Area traffic to support that child. It's a situation that's not designed to be in the best interest of the child. I think we need to take a look at it, for sure. We're spending a lot of money on a facility that is underused. What we do with the space is another question entirely. So I, w I just want to break in here and, and comment on the sending the kids out of the county. Mm -hmm. I mean, you ever seen you ever seen Holes? Oh, is that what the, That's no. what it reminded me of. You know, there's an entire generation of movies that I'm aware, like the Sand Lot or whatever. Okay. That just totally like different. I yeah. But I never watched them. Uh-huh. My point being like I I didn't even know they existed. Uh-huh. Um We should go back and watch Holes. Yeah, just because before being, Shia LaBeouf got weird. Oh, okay. Being Chinese and like around that okay. era, like you have like totally okay. different. I watched a lot of Jackie Chan. Yeah. Movies. Um can I just say so sending the so wait, hold on, sorry. Is Holes is that what happened? They send, so they send the, these kids in, in to, instead of to a nearby juvenile detention center, they send them um, to a faraway camp in rural Texas where they just have to build dig holes. Okay, so holes. Right. So this is so Nancy Tung's concern is the holes concern. We'll just yes. like the holes concern. Let's talk about the holes concern for a second, right? I mean, what Chief Nance, who is the the officer yes. in charge of this, you know, the juvenile mm -hmm. essentially justice sec the vision, mm -hmm. right? His concern is that a lot of these youth mm -hmm. are folks who are waiting trial. Mm -hmm. And essentially, for whatever reason, you had to put them in yes. a locked facility while they wait trial. And according to Matt Haney, that's a good portion of the people there. That's all, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's a ton of the people. And we're only talking about like 36-something people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a ton of the people there. When you move them out of county... Right. Just to await trial... 
a trial that's in San Francisco. Right. Which is right. Like, you want them to have a good public defender. An uh, Alameda public defender is not as good as a San Francisco public defender. We just that's don't, right. we pay them more, right? Yeah. But then that means they have to travel back and forth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the trial. Their parents have to travel back and forth for the trial. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. that stops making sense. Mm-hmm. Right? So. So one thing that Mayor Breed's blue ribbon panel will have to figure out is how do you deal with juveniles awaiting trial um, when it's a really small population that where currently it's, it's the, the only facility you have for them is a gigantic fucking building. Right. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the crime bill, the crime war is over from the 90s, right? Like crime has dropped precipitously nationwide pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, and San Francisco is not Baltimore. Right. Um, so whatever it is, it's, it's going to have to be on a smaller scale. The question is, um, you know, what is it going to be? And, and the supervisors have essentially said, it's not going to be a juvenile justice hall. In two years, whatever you figure out, that can't be an option. And Mayor Breed was, was very upset about this. Uh, and Amos Brown was, was audibly very upset, um, you know, yelling in the chambers and almost getting removed at when the vote was taken. So I, I want to say a couple of things on that, too. It's like... First of all, you know, one of the reasons, the problem with the mayor's blue ribbon task force is that whatever alternative is developed has to be policy passed through the board of supervisors. Mm-hmm. So if she doesn't have votes at the board of supervisors, it doesn't matter what her blue ribbon task force came up with. That's right. Right? So, and, and she has to get it done by 2020. Right. Which means that she's dealing with this current board of supervisors. The one that voted 10 to 1 against That's machine. right. Right. Yeah. There's no change in that vote. A very little change in that vote count, right? Right. That's right. So, so there's very like she's hamstrung on a lot of levels, right? Yeah. On this on to execute this this vision. Yeah. Uh the second thing is I, you know, whatever you think about his stances, I love Reverend Amos Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, to to get up and just scream in the middle of board chambers. I watched it on yeah. SFGov TV, and like we don't, we just don't have those kinds of personalities left in San Francisco again, yeah. right? Who are like out there, just like tell the truth, tell the truth, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. it was wonderful to watch. So shout out to Reverend Amos Brown. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what you think about, well, I mean, yeah, what we he, need some what more. He said. We need some more characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. what people don't like about San Francisco, but it's yeah. also what people like about San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's season of the witch quality um, stuff. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Susie Loftus, uh, her campaign for DA sent me uh, her medium piece where she wrote about this. And this, I mean, reads something like what Hillary Clinton would write. It's a it's a seven step proposal. And if uh, I'll try to summarize them. Oh my God. Briefly. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> um, not really an elevator pitch. Uh, Is this like yeah. Elizabeth Warren? I have a plan for that. But kind right. Of situation. But it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. seven. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, step one is creating a policy um, that makes sure uh, exploited children are treated as, as victims and survivors other than, than offenders. So that you know, has a lot to do with human trafficking. Sure. Um, uh, having more pre-filing and pre-court diversion pathways to minimize contact with uh, juvenile okay. justice. Um, so community courts, peer courts are things she mentions. and uh, Which is actually like less about the juvenile justice hall and more right. like decreasing the, continuing to decrease the number of people in the juvenile justice hall. That's right. right? That's right. Pre-diverted. Making the pipeline even smaller right. towards the criminal justice right. system. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Number three is uh, using the discretion of the DA's office to um, yeah, prevent um, prosecuting children as adults. Okay. Um, so pretty straightforward. 
Uh, number four is um, uh, working with court officials um, to change sentencing recommendations to uh, make it a you know baseline presumption that juveniles should not be incarcerated. Right. So that's a little again. Vague, but okay. Yeah, but like, like if you think about it again, that's like more like let's decrease the number of kids who would have been in the juvenile justice hall in the first place. In the first place. Yeah. But doesn't change. Like, if you have, like, four kids left in a juvenile justice hall, yeah. like, what are you going to do with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where am I? Number five, um, establish a policy against prosecuting children for status offenses, such as truancy, running away, or curfew violations. Um, again, reducing the pipeline. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, it's a little crazy that we prosecute children for running away. Yeah. And habitual truancy. I yeah. mean, that just, like... Sometimes it, they have good reasons. It's just, it's just crazy to, like, yeah. incarcerate a kid for yeah, doing yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. That's, like, just a way overreach. Anyways, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, community safety initiatives is number six. So recruiting um, for uh, vocational training and job placements. Um, so that one is, is, you know, offering jobs, again, to probably uh, not just for to prevent getting people into the pipeline, but also for rehabilitation after. Um, and um, sealing records of juvenile charges, uh, prohibiting them from public view without a court order. I'm surprised that's not already a rule. Yeah, you know, um, you can expunge your record mm-hmm. after, like, you go through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But no, automatic sealing is not a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, so she's also um, she um, she's also uh, asking for juvenile probation to be moved into the Department of Public Health. Um, is one of the things she, she asked to, to be explored. But, I mean, again, you know, it's a medium piece. Um, it's a lot of, like, has a lot of words, like, like explore, uh, partner, um, um, many leaders around the table. Um, people really haven't figured out what to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like again, like, I mean, juvenile, moving juvenile probation into under under DPH is probably the most concrete response mm-hmm. to the actual to the actual problem, which is like, all right, we're, well, let's say you even have just like four youth left who would normally be detained. What do you do with that four youth, right? The seven step program is just reducing the pipeline, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What do you do with the four youth? Okay, well now we're gonna give them to DPH and like, so that, that's the only, I mean, that's a, And that wasn't even one of the seven. That's not even one of the seven. (laughs) So I'm just saying, like people don't really know what to do. Yeah. Who else do we have? Um, those were the ones that, that oh got back responded. to us yeah, yeah got yeah. it got it um, um, the other guy um, Boudin yeah he's a hundred percent on board right right right, right. he's probably part of Shaman Walton's task force yeah, at this yeah, point yeah, yeah. Um, well Shaman Walton has not convened a task force Mayor Breed oh I'm sorry already has I'm a, sorry. a blue ribbon task force I'm sorry. Shaman Walton is, is also calling for a task force so presumably he should probably set up a meeting with Mayor Breed and be like you know I know I didn't vote the way you wanted but like we're both accountable to whatever the task force comes out with, so like let's figure this out. So that that's my thing, right? If like, if I were Simone Walton, I would I would be trying to cover my ass and have a plan. Yeah, <laughs> but that's my thing. That's frustrating about this. Like, you know, the supervisors are not accountable, though, to what happens at this because mm-hmm. in the end of the day, executing the executive branch, this yeah. executive power of law, frankly, this executive power of law enforcement, this police mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. is under the mayor's authority. Mm-hmm. It's not under supervisor's authority. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they hamstrung the mayor, but that's all they had to do. It's mm-hmm. the mayor's job to figure that's out a solution. That's all they've really been doing. Right, right. That's, it's the mayor, yeah, exactly. It's the mayor's job to now solve the solution, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm a little frustrated because one side is not as accountable as the other, frankly, right? Yes, like, under true. a legal term, like one side is not as accountable as the other. Yeah. It's bullshit. And this is, this is, 
proven true. I wrote about this as I've been covering, um, if you've been reading my work in the East Bay Express. Which I have. Covering um, Oakland's budget negotiations. Um, and there's a lot of tension between the city council and Mayor Libby Schaff. As you know, the mayor proposes a budget, city council amends it, passes it, mayor signs it, whatever, you know, same as everywhere. Um, but the mayor is ultimately responsible for the fiscal health of the city. And even though historically the city council has been accountable, has had its fingerprints all over like trashing the city's fiscal health, um, you know, Jean Kwan, before she was mayor, made a lot of the rash decisions that led to the city being bankrupt, more bankrupt than it needed to be right. um, during the Great Recession, um, like it never comes back to them. No. It's going to come back to the mayor. That's right. Um, Voters don't vote for city council members based on fiscal health. Right. They vote on the mayor. Right. Um, even when uh, Council President Rebecca Kaplan is the one council member at large, so, you know, she has roughly the same political incentive as, as Mayor Schaaf, but it's a little different. Um, they still got together at the end of the day and hashed out a budget together. Yeah, like yeah. They were. It was very acrimonious a couple a couple weeks ago. Yeah. They were, you know, essentially insulting each other through through the staff media reports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I oh. was, You know, it's funny because uh, someone in in city hall said to me like, "Oh, we will not be negotiating labor contracts through the media," and I was like. Do where you know, do you do, do it? Do you know how the media works? Yeah, where do you do like, it then? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of are. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's the reality of it. Yeah. But um, it was, you know, they were essentially insulting each other through staff reports yeah. over the budget. And then they got together, um, you know, the council president and uh, the budget committee and the finance department under the city administrator's office, under the, under the mayor, um, and they hashed out a compromise budget. And now everyone's happy as a clam, and they're going to pass a budget um, that most people... Most people on the council, I'm not going to say most interest groups, but then most people are happy with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of bad blood between the council, some council members and the mayor, but at the end of the day, they sit down together and they get things done yeah. because they have a city to run. They don't yeah. have these fucking, like, high school yeah. grudges, which is all I see on the board of supervisors. Like, oh, like, you know, I'm Aaron Peskin's friend. You're not. Like, I'm a, like, it's so fucking yeah. Sure what well, I, I think that I think structurally, like life is well. I won't. I won't say this. I, well, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. I think structurally, life is different when you have a 12.3 billion dollar budget. Sure. When you're flush, right? Yeah. Then you can have fights about right. So like this thing where the mayor and the city council of Oakland come together. Well, they have. They, they need to come together, right? Yes. The city will fall apart, right? If they don't come to a right. solid conclusion, right? Right. And San Francisco side is like, shit, man, I have a billion dollars more than I had yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is, let's do what, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right? <laughs> like, Which I is have, what we saw with the, with the ERAF surplus. Right, right. The fact is, that, you know, the thing here is that, you know, while you shut down the Juvenile Justice Hall, mm-hmm. whatever solution you come up with next, mm-hmm. you have the money to fund that solution. That's right. And that gives you options that right. you don't normally have. And that, that, right. that is a blessing, right? Yes. And, and you know, the juvenile justice yeah. system needs reform. So I'm not saying that, right? But you have the you now have the money to solve a problem within by 2020. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Oakland would have that same... No. Same I don't a, think the juvenile ability. home even is in Oakland. I have Remember, no idea. Oh, it's San a county. Francisco, it's a county. It's San Francisco county. has the yeah. added blessing yeah. of being its own yeah. county. So I don't know if Alameda <laughs> County would have that same kind of luxury. Right. Right? And Oakland City Council members can't even make this decision. Right. Because it's on the county level. Right, right, right. right. I mean, yeah. You, I want to, like, 
um, earmarked the end of this issue by saying, yes, yeah, San Francisco is blessed, and it's blessed on the back of Oakland, right? San Francisco gets all the sales tax revenue, all the business tax revenue of its flush economy of a booming job center that is pretty much always booming, but it exports its workforce to sleep in the bedroom community of the East Bay. And that is fucking theft if I've ever seen it. Like, you, like San Francisco is is stealing from Oakland, or at the very least, you know, offloading the 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 moral requirement to provide services for its workforce by housing its workforce in the East Bay while reaping the economic benefits. We're talking about housing supply. Yes. Are we? Okay, all right. <laughs> but, I mean, also, yeah. like, you know, it, uh, San Francisco can afford to solve criminal justice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Oakland cannot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, listen, it's a good point. And I, no, legitimately, mm-hmm. it's a great point. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. And I think that there's yeah. a lo- there is a sense of irresponsibility, yeah. regional irresponsibility. Yeah. Um, Oakland's Oakland's biggest like budget issue is that their police overtime costs are always go over projection by twenty million. Yeah. Every budget cycle, yeah. twenty million is like a rounding error for San Francisco. Yeah. Twenty million is like the difference between paving streets and not paving streets. In yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm always I'm gonna no, turn no, no, every no. podcast into yeah, like yeah, a yeah, fucking you San Francisco. You yeah. owe Oakland. You owe Oakland. <laughs> like you should send a gift over to Oakland. Yes, it's like a billion, like your extra billion dollar surplus over to yeah. Oakland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah, Oakland. Uh, Oakland deserves that ERAF surplus. Yeah, <laughs> <Oakland deserves laughs> you shouldn't that. have gotten shit, San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I just want to comment that you know, extra billion dollars in the budget, San Francisco budget, none of it's being saved. Just putting put it, just putting putting yeah, it out yeah, yeah. there, right? Oh, that's the entirety of Oakland's budget. Just putting that out. What? there. What? A billion dollars. A billion dollars. Is it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. a billion and a half. Well, you have to recalculate. You have yeah, to see yeah. how much city Alameda County. county. Yeah, 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 how much yeah. County money is it there? But yes, you have the other thing with the city and county. You have more options, mm-hmm. like the juvenile justice hall, mm-hmm. than you would mm-hmm. in Oakland, right? Because mm-hmm. your police and your sheriff and your so your police and your sheriff mm-hmm. are vertically integrated, mm-hmm. right? Where in Oakland they're not actually, right? The yeah, the detention right. is in county. Right. The police, law enforcement's with the city. That's right. That's so you're right. not. You have no vertical integration there. Right. 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 So. The blessings of being a city and county. Um, don't let it go to waste, San Francisco. Don't let it go to waste. Um, I think it's time for final thoughts. All right. Um, I want to give a shout out to Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez of San Diego. All right. Whose Assembly Bill Five would reclassify uh, gig workers in oh, the wow. gig economy. Oh yeah, you're hot on this. As employees. Huh? Um, and I'm not people, even going to comment on this. People are saying, oh, like, it doesn't allow them flexibility, but people got to remember, like, you know, employees have flexibility. Like, they're not, it's not requiring them to be full-time employees. It's just requiring them to be classified as employees. Um, which, you know, given, given that Uber's entire business model is, is predicated on, um, on tax evasion and wage theft and hoping for automation to... Um, get rid of the need for drivers, which, I mean, good fucking luck. <laughs> um, I'm okay with this bill. And, um, uh, you know, as you did mention, organized labor is powerful in the California state. Yeah, there we go. And that, see, in, see, in good there we go. Is, is, th- is because they elected Lorena Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, so, um, shout out to her. They um, do control votes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more votes than Uber, apparently. Um, oh wow! Yeah. So shout out to Lorena for going up against the gig economy. Um, hope she succeeds. 
Um, those are Diego's comments. We're just gonna leave that leave, leave it there. Yeah, I know you're yeah. probably consulting for Uber on the side. I'm not consulting. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> consulting for Uber on the side. I'm definitely not consulting for Uber. On the side. It's getting frantic texts from Uber right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not a live podcast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, my final thought. My final thought is. Um, so I know there's a lot of controversy on the miniseries, the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Oh, yeah, right? I've not seen it You've yet. You've not seen it yet. No. We've talked about you using my HBO login. Oh, that's or, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you should, you should, right? Yeah. I, I, um, and I know there's a lot of, especially it seems like debate on the left about whether Chernobyl is like an accurate depiction or mm-hmm. not accurate depiction or demonizes nuclear power, it doesn't demonize nuclear power, all mm-hmm. of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I want to just move all past beyond that because I, I have no mm-hmm. idea, right? I do want to recommend the book Midnight in Chernobyl, mm. which provides a very... I think a very accurate, well-researched account mm-hmm. of what happened in the in the, in that incident, mm-hmm. and I will say that the audiobook is significantly better than actually watching the t- miniseries. Oh, interesting! So that's my recommendation of the day. Although the audiobook takes three times as long yeah, than the sure. miniseries to finish. Worth it though. Worth it though. So this is how like the Chamber of Secrets audiobook was a lot better than the Harry Potter movie. So I hear this a lot. I hear. Yeah. Did you tell me this originally? I don't think so. We so, never discussed Harry Potter. Okay. I never finished the series. Like, eight That's people have told me that the every time I bring up the word audiobook, they are like, the Harry Potter audiobook, the best audiobook in existence. Well, certainly better than the films. Really? Oh, yeah. That's fascinating to me. I really enjoyed the film. But, I mean, it's just fascinating that, like, there's such a highly yeah, acclaimed audiobook. Yeah, audiobooks either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really? Yeah. I'm fast. Like, I'm totally obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, like reading for lazy people. Yeah. <laughs> No, really. Yeah, and I mean, kind of like podcasts. Kind of like, po- I do think that's like the value of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how many of our listeners are, are too lazy to read our actual articles, but, you know, we do this for them. I will say this, this is not for regarding our readers, because that would be so insulting, but I will say it for myself. Like, for me... You don't po- read our articles. Either. I don't read our articles. <laughs> <laughs> As anyone who knows our typos mean, we don't, I don't clearly don't read our articles. Um... Uh, podcast for me is thinking for lazy people. Like I, instead yes. of thinking, I just listen to podcasts. Yes. And so like, oh, oh I now I so have true. a thought. I now I have a thought. Like yeah. I like seem educated. Now I, can, I have opinions. And now I have opinions, yeah. right? I now I have whatever, right? I just spewed all this shit the other day about yeah, yeah, like yeah. the Uber, Lyft, IPO, all this stuff, right? Uh-huh. I don't fucking know anything. I just listen to TechCrunch Equity podcast oh, and I just repeal it. Yeah, and Planet Money. Planet Money is a good example. The Indicator is a good example. It's thinking for lazy people. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I wonder how many opinions people have out there. They just you know plucked full whole cloth out of out of a podcast. I can tell you quite a few because a lot of people who I agree with, I only know I agree with them because You're we all listen to the same, same podcast. Which is <laughs> <laughs> oh how why you and me, Diego, almost never agree because I bet if we matched yeah. our podcast libraries, oh my gosh, no little no overlap. I'll, this would be an experiment. We should if do we it. Tr- if okay, I need to like actually listen to some podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like different ones. And yeah, we trade podcasts. Yeah, we trade podcasts. <laughs> we should we should do we'll do a list right okay, like okay. next next pod next podcast that we're on. Okay. We will compare podcast libraries. Okay, you're on. All right, all right. But you have to go research. You have to go actually listen to some. I'll find some. Okay. Right. <laughs> Your Georgian fucking podcast. All right. We'll figure this out, and uh, next time we'll share the results with you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>